Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Okay, hey everybody. Welcome to Push Diaries Podcast. I always love that when I start recording myself right in the beginning, I just get a big old smile on my face. So happy June 4th. I hope everybody is having a good week. It is really hot in Michigan today. I think the high is like 89 degrees and it isn't even noon yet and it is very hot outside. So hopefully everybody is staying cool or has plans of wearing sunscreen and sitting at a beach because that's fun too. Today I wanted to share something personal with my listeners. I am actually accepting a full-time job and I haven't been able to work full-time since 2014 when I had my spinal cancer. For those of you that don't know, I had a tumor in 2014 that I was diagnosed with that was growing on T10, T11, and T12 of my spine, and I had to have it surgically removed. And so when they did that, they literally took out three vertebrae in my back and put my left leg bone behind my shin in my back broken in two pieces to kind of make a double post in my back for stability, and then they also put rods in my back as well. Over the last seven years, I have dealt with chronic pain and arthritis and furthering effects of paralysis. Over the years, my muscles have gotten tighter. I have become less flexible. My joints are becoming a little bit more tough to move and arthritic. And so going back to work full time for me, I mean, after my surgery alone, it took me seven months just for my surgical incisions to fully close. And I was still getting over and coming off of all the chemo I had and rehab I had had just to get myself to a point where I was independent enough to be able to even consider being independent and doing things for myself, like showering, eating, getting dressed in the morning, being able to catheterize myself every three to four hours. Like it has been really hard and a big adjustment. So anyone listening right now that's going through a medical roller coaster, I am sympathizing with you and I'm a supporter to you. And I really wanted to share this episode today with people who maybe don't have an understanding of how difficult it is to get back into the workforce and some of the things that affect you as a disabled person or me as a disabled woman. And so I thought it would be really beneficial for us today to talk about the Ticket to Work program. And one of the different types of Ticket to Work programs is called Yes Works out of Minnesota. And I have a good friend from Minnesota who got me in touch with a very kind lady on the phone to go over what her Ticket to Work program that they offer at Yes Works would look like, how they are able to help someone with a disability 
or someone who's been out of the workforce for a while and a beneficiary of Social Security get back on an independent career path where they could make however much money they wanted and they could work however much time they wanted and either decide to stay on disability benefits or get off of them. So if any of you have any questions about any of this, please feel free to comment on Instagram or email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com. And this is something that I would love to talk to more people about. And like I said, I just really want my story always, first and foremost, to be a area where people feel supported and encouraged. And if not, they just get a little education or learn more about something they didn't know about. And, you know, our federal government is a complex thing. Social security can be a complex thing. Um, and all the terms that come with going back to work can be really confusing and complex. So we're going to be talking about social security, substantial gainful activity, ticket to work programs, and then I'm going to share a phone call with all of you in this episode with YesWorks and my two friends from there. We will be talking about my situation in particular, and I will be sure to share more at the end of the episode if there's anything else I just wanted to say. But without further ado, I would love to get started. So here is episode 42, Tess is Going Back to Work, The Ticket to Work Program. Okay, so before we get started and I let you all listen in on the phone call I had, I wanted to go over just a couple things with you. Some of the stuff we might address in the phone call as well, but I wanted to be sure to be clear and concise with some of this information because it can be really confusing. So, I was able to find a lot of really great information out at socialsecurity.gov and I was able to find a lot of really good information out at ssa.gov forward slash work. That's ssa.gov forward slash w-o-r-k. And what you'll find here is a lot of information about disability benefits, SSDI. So check that website out if you want to learn more about the Ticket to Work program and it, all of its intricacies. Another great website is disabilitysecrets.com. That's D-I-S-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y-S-E-C-R-E-T-S dot com. You can learn a lot about Social Security Disability Benefits on there. A lot of the information I'm going to read off to you is from this website, so be, be sure to check out either of those websites if you need more information. I'll also say I know there are a lot of resources at the state level and both federally and locally and right in the communities you live in. A lot of times you can just Google employment services near me and turn your location on on your phone and you'll be able to see what programs in your community are available to you to help you out. I know COVID has been a really tough year on everybody, and we are well over a year into the pandemic, and I know a lot of people still might have a hard time going into a work center or make time for an employment team that could help you get back to work, but I just wanted people to know, too, that 
a lot of these resources can be done right online or on the phone. And so definitely check out the resources that are around you because it could be really beneficial. The Ticket to Work program is a federal program that helps Social Security beneficiaries with a disability achieve their employment goals. The program offers beneficiaries aged 18 to 64 years old who receive supplemental security income, otherwise known as SSI, or Social Security Disability Insurance, also known as SSDI, services to help you become employed. So I am actually your hostess, for those of you that don't know me. I have been on SSDI for a while, since my disability in 2014. I have tried going back to work a couple times. One time I went back to work, and I think I was doing about 20 to 25 hours a week, and it was really good. It was my first job back in the workforce after my disability. I believe it was in 2017 that I started working there, and I had a really good experience with it. However, I became really exhausted. Like the type of work I was doing was social work and case management, and it was just really exhausting work where I would get up early in the morning and I'd have to drive an hour and meet with a client and drive another hour and meet with another client and drive another hour and meet with another client. And Sometimes it was in the middle of the summer and I would have to cath in my van and it was 100 degrees outside or I would have to leave a meeting early to go to the bathroom and come back and it just became not very sustainable for me for long term. I knew that when I got home at the end of the days, I would just be ready to lay in my bed and crash and It wasn't sustainable for me. I didn't have enough energy to see friends and family or do anything that I loved to do or valued. And so the second really great job that I got was at a historical society. So I worked in a museum and I loved it. I had such a great experience. It was completely different from the other job I had had because I was able to come into work, go to a desk and stay there for, you know, a four to six hour shift and get all my work done, go to the bathroom one time while I was there, and then be able to go home and still have energy to see my family and see my friends and make dinner and work with my caregivers on cleaning and all of that stuff at home that I still had to take care of. So again, my heart goes out to any of you guys who are currently disabled or going through some medical turmoil in their lives. I know that it is hard and it takes a lot of testing out, really, seeing what you're capable of doing, seeing what you enjoy, see how your value system has changed, what's a priority to you. One thing I will say that when going back to work, it's really beneficial to have a schedule. And sometimes a schedule is exactly what we need to keep ourselves on track and keep ourselves in check and, you know, feel good mentally, physically, emotionally. And so, I just want to encourage you all to know, too, that no matter what situation you're in now, test yourself. See if you can go the extra mile and get a little bit harder of a job if it works out for you. If it doesn't, unfortunately, you know, there are limitations we have that a lot of people will never understand. And so if you're at a place in your life where you're not there yet and you don't think you ever will even get there, that's okay, too. So 
Like I said, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my story as I read through some of these terms. In 2021, the federal government considers you to be working for the trial work period if your earnings are over $940 per month. A trial work period consists of nine months in total, but only those months in which you earn more than that $940 per month count toward the trial work period. This amount is reviewed by the SSA, or Social Security Administration, and adjusted each year. During a trial work period, a beneficiary receiving Social Security disability benefits may test his or her ability to work and still be considered disabled. So a good example of this would be like when I worked at the Historical Society, I think I was making like $15 an hour, $15 to $17 an hour, and I was only working so many hours, and so I was under that $940 sometimes over my paychecks. Sometimes I made over that, but generally I was staying under it. And so when I worked there for about a year, if I looked back at my social security account, I could look and see which months I made more than that $940, but I could have only worked more than that two times. And so right now today, I would have only used two of those nine months of my trial work period, if that makes sense. Even though I was there a year, I was making less than the $940 per month on average. So I know this is a little confusing, but this is also why Social Security wants people who are disabled or on benefits to report their wages so that this can all be tracked. Sometimes if you're not reporting your wages and then like you do your taxes or something and they're able to look back and see that you were making over what was allowed, they can charge you money that you'll have to pay back into the government or into the state. And that's something obviously you want to avoid. So making sure that you are reporting your wages is really crucial when you're going back to work. There is no limit on how many hours you can work on Social Security income, rather a limit on how much you can make in a month. To be eligible for disability benefits, a person must be unable to engage in substantial gainful activity, or SGA. A person who is earning more than a certain monthly amount, or their net of impairment-related work expenses, is ordinarily considered to be engaging in substantial gainful activity. In evaluating whether you are disabled, the Social Security Administration will first look to whether you are currently working. If you are working part-time and not earning much money, you won't be automatically denied disability benefits, but doing a substantial amount of work, such as working full-time, like I will be starting to do, guarantees that you will be denied benefits over time. Why? As part of its definition of disability, the Social Security Administration requires that a disability claimant or applicant be unable to perform what it is called substantial gainful activity, or SGA. Substantial gainful activity is generally work that brings in over a certain dollar amount per month. In 2021, that amount is $1,310 for non-blind disabled Social Security Disability Insurance applicants or Social Security applicants, and $2,190 for blind Social Security Disability applicants. 
The SGA limit doesn't apply to blind SSI applicants. If you are making more than that per month, the SSA presumes that you must not be disabled, or in other words, in their words, you are able to engage in competitive employment. In deciding whether you are doing SGA, Social Security does not count any income you obtain from non-work sources, such as interest, investments, or gifts. And I know I had mentioned and given you guys an example about how I was making $15 to $17 an hour, 20 hours a week, and I sometimes was under that SGA level per month. And I wanted to give an example that was on disabilitysecrets.com as well. There's a question posted online, and it says, I am receiving Social Security disability benefits, but a friend has made me a job offer. It wouldn't be enough to sustain me alone, but I could definitely use the extra income, and it's a job I think I could do. How does Social Security handle things like this? And here's their answer. It says, Working while on disability may seem counterintuitive since the purpose of disability benefits is to provide income for people who cannot work. However, in certain circumstances, working is not against Social Security's rules. First, you are allowed to make less than $1,310, the SGA level for 2021, per month and still collect Social Security disability benefits as long as you continue to meet Social Security's definition of disabled. This answer addresses SSDI, the amount of income you can make, and continue to qualify for SSI is different. So the SGA limit allows many disability recipients to do some part-time work. For example, if you were to work 16 hours a week, making $16 per hour, your monthly income would be about $1,100, which falls under the SGA amount. As long as you haven't improved enough medically to work full-time since you were approved for benefits, you should be able to continue receiving those benefits. Second, Social Security has programs that allow you to continue to receive disability insurance benefits while encouraging you to try to get back into the workforce. You can attempt to work, even making over the SGA amount, during something called the trial work period, which we talked about. You may work a total of nine months out of a consecutive 60-month period of time, and those nine months will count as the trial work period. If you work nine months out of five years, even if those nine months aren't all together, you have used up your trial work period. At the end of the period, your benefits may stop if you continue to work and Social Security finds that your work is above the SGA level. So I know this is a hard topic because a lot of people might say, oh, this girl is disabled or that mom has two kids and she's just getting her disability benefit check or her, you know, benefits, her state benefits. And it's sad that there's such a stigma around benefits because you never know what's going on in someone's life. If they're dealing with abuse or addiction or disability. I mean, even just different vulnerable populations and different economic backgrounds. There's just so much diversity and so much complexity around this issue. And for me, it is scary to go back to work full time. I'm excited about it, but it's also really terrifying because what if my pain is too great? What if I can't hold down a job? You know, those are fears I have. 
And some people might say, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and settle for the job that is less challenging. Like, you know, I know people might think that, you know, being a Walmart greeter or something like that is not good work. And for some people, that might be the perfect job for them. And other people might want more of a work challenge and want to go to school for a four-year degree and actually work on something more specialized. And whatever it is that you want to do is fine. And it's not something anybody should judge you for. It is just really sad, though, that you can be in need of some type of social security benefit, but then put yourself at risk for for losing it. And I guess I just have to trust that if I get sick or something horrible happens down the road where I can't sustain a full-time job, my doctors would help me get back on social security. But it is. It's hard. It's scary. And like I said, I don't know anyone's experience with this except for my own. And so I'm just trying to let all of you listeners in on a personal part of my life as I wade through disability and work. And without further ado, I want to let you in on this great phone call I had. So again, if you have any questions, contact me. But here's the episode. Have a great weekend. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi, good. Um, this is Nancy Wagner with Yes Works. Awesome. Awesome. Hi. Good to hear your voice. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. How's Michigan? Michigan is really good. I um, I just wanted to ask you guys if it was okay if I recorded this call so I could use it for my podcast. I just was thinking we could maybe help a lot of people kind of figure out disabilities and benefits and having the gusto to go back to work because this is this will be seven years that I have not worked full time. So do, are okay. you guys are you comfortable with that or or are you not sure? It, it's up to you um, because we're going to be talking, talking about some about personal. You. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you want that um, out there or not. Yeah. So. Well, I will go ahead and record our conversation and I'll think about it and pray about it and see how I feel. But um, I, I do want our conversation to be casual and please ask whatever you would normally, even if this wasn't being recorded, because I, yeah, I, I want this to maybe help someone in the future. But, you know, I've worked part-time jobs, but I've not gone back full-time. And so I'm just a little bit nervous about like my Social Security. I'm nervous about my caregiving money. I'm currently paying off a loan for a $22,000 lift to get me into my house. Um, Okay. And I'm thinking about buying a new van because I had a van given to me when I was first diagnosed with cancer and put in a wheelchair in 2015 is when I got the van. But it's a 2007 and I'm exceeding 150,000 miles and I just think it might be time to trade it in or get a you you know something that's a little bit more reliable because I am driving home to Minnesota. Okay. All right. So where do we start? Yeah. Like where do what information can I give you? So okay, so so you I, I have a couple of questions. It's kind of a screening question about the ticket to work program that you might be interested in that. Um 
And so we're, we're what's called an employment network. And we, um, we're an affiliate with the American Dream Employment Network. So, um, kind of in a nutshell, they do training, um, make sure that we're following the ticket to work, um, rules, that kind of thing. And we do the services. Sure. Um, so that's, that's kind of how, how it works. Um, so, you know, it's like anything, social security, sometimes it's pretty complicated and, Things like payments can get pretty complicated, so they do all of that. Okay, um, Yes Works does? Aiden, or the American Dream Employment Network, does the administrative piece, you know, the, the train, any training that we need to have. They have benefits, people on staff that we can go to, so I'm certified to do work incentive counseling, um, but sometimes it's it can get pretty complicated, and so... Um, they have people who are also credentialed on staff, so we can we can go to that, um, or we can go to them as a resource. Um, they do like any kind of payments or billing um, to Social Security. Okay. Um, just make sure we're following the rules. So right. So we 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 provide the services. So you would we you would be working directly with us. Um, okay. If you chose if you chose to um, assign your ticket. And Ticket to Work is a voluntary program, so, um, you know, nothing requires you to to assign it. Um, it's it's strictly voluntary. It's, you know, for people who want to um, gain self-sufficiency, and most people in it generally look at <clears throat> working off of their Social Security at some point. Right. So, um, I know that's probably a really scary thought. Yeah. It is a scary thought. And I've, you know, I know too, like, you know, for a while, I mean, to be totally honest with you, like, I was really nervous just about, like, getting cancer again. Or what if my pain is so bad that I feel like I can't be present at work, right? Sure. And so I have heard rumors about, like, well, for five years, you know, because I'm considered permanently disabled, I believe. But there's some confusion I guess that I have about like being covered for five years and then you transition off of your assistance over five years or your penalty is less great if like you have to get back onto coverage within five years of the time you go back to work. Can you help me understand that timeline a little bit or how how it changes the longer I'm successfully working? Right. So, uh, first off, I need to ask: Are you are you on SSDI or are you yes. on SSI? Yes, I'm. As far as I know, I'm on SSDI. Okay. So, those are two programs that those are you know both disability programs that people are on, and Social Security administers both of them. But that's about as much as they have in common. Um, they're both they're very different programs. Um, SSI is. Generally, I mean, it's for people who haven't worked in the past or they haven't worked recently. Okay. Um, they maybe have worked, but, but haven't worked recent, recently when they went on disability. People on SSDI have worked in the past. They are claiming it's a dis, it's disability insurance. So, you know, they have paid into the system or sometimes a person has paid, um, it might be a parent. At whose record that they're getting um, a disability payment off of. Okay, so, yeah, so it is SSDI because I have gone to work and I have paid into the system, not for very long because I 
was 24 when I got my cancer, but, um, yes, that's, that is what I had then. Okay. So let me ask you this. How much are you getting? So let me just, I'm going to pull up my bank app so I can tell you exactly what I got, um, the beginning of May, just so that we're clear. So, um, I got $804 this month and I think that went up. It looks like April 2nd, I also got $804. So I think it went up a little bit with inflation, you know, this, this, this year, these last couple months, cause it used to be like seven something. Okay. So the, the maximum, the federal benefit rate for SSI is um, $794. But sometimes people get what's called, um, it's a Minnesota supplement. Um, it's usually a little more than that, but. It's usually like $81. Okay. Um, well, and how does this vary? Like, is everything you're telling me cross-state, too, because I'm in Michigan now? Like, I I am confused by that, too, I guess. Like, my medic, Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to uh, say, like, my Medicaid obviously changed when I moved out here. Right. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Okay, so, so you have Medicaid through Michigan? Yes, I have Michigan Medicaid through my county, Livingston County. And my fiancé, we're not married yet, and when I was living in Minnesota, my mom and sister were getting my caregiving benefits, and now he's getting my caregiving benefit. Um, we were wanting to get married last year, but we're probably going to get married next year just with COVID being a mess. You understand it's just been fearful for a lot of people and I really want my family and friends present. So I know that that will totally change my caregiving money too. Like I've also heard rumors that Tyler won't get that money, but like because I need help getting ready, it still might be offset. If I were to hire someone else, I could like claim the money needed to get ready for work. Am I making sense? Yep. Yep. I have somebody who, um, he is doing, he was hired through a PCA, um, company. company. Yeah. And then does the caregiving for his wife, but he gets paid for it. Huh. So he just, he just, I see. So he did what my sister and mom did to kind of scoot through the system, I guess, would be become an employee of the caregiving agency, and then you're allowed to live with the person, too. Correct. Okay. And that, is that... That's what he's doing. Is that... So that's not frowned upon. It's just something people don't know, or what? I don't know. You know, it makes total sense when you think about it. I mean, he he was already doing it. It, He's also disabled, so... um, Yeah. You know, it allowed him to work, um, get paid... For something he's already doing anyway. Right. Um, and she's more, you know, I mean, she's comfortable with him. Right. Um, oh, totally. So yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I had so. such a hard time finding people that would stick around through the agency that I didn't know that wasn't my family. Like, we tried to hire probably three or four people through Global Home Healthcare in Winona, and they were great to work with, but, like, they wouldn't stick around. They wouldn't stay. You know, it would be like... A high schooler or a, you know, gal or guy who maybe didn't do much schooling but wanted to work and then, like, driving to my house was too much work for them or, you know, they'd call in sick a lot. So I totally understand that. It is nice to have someone you know for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's what he's doing. I mean, it's working. It's working here. Um, that's. I mean, that he is his only person that he works with. But she gets like I don't know twenty, like twenty two hours a, a week, I think. So. Sure. Tyler gets twelve hundred dollars a month. So. Whatever that is. I, I When I moved to Michigan, I did lose some of that assistance. Like the way that they organized their benefits as far as like showering or laundry, like the different jobs were gathered together or organized together in different like subcategories. Am I making sense? And yeah. so it changed a little bit because of that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, each state has, um, I mean, they, you know, they run medical assistance so it can vary from state to state how you know what the benefits are and just how it works things like that sure sure so that's good to know that like down the line it might be beneficial for Tyler to apply to a caregiving agency and work through them versus directly through the county yeah I mean you know I I know it's working for the person another person that I work with right okay well Um, thank you that's good to know yeah, but I don't, I'll, I'll be honest, I know nothing about Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, okay, so, <clears throat> so one of the things we would do if we would, if we would assign your ticket is one of the first things I would do is get what's called a benefit planning query. And that's a report from Social Security. It tells me what benefits you're getting. It tells me if you've used any work incentives. Um, it just kind of gives us a status of where you're at. Do you get Medicare? I do have Medicare. I was on an HMO plan for a year and a half, I want to say. That was really bad because I lost some coverage with mental health counseling. And um, I even lost some of the doctors that I've been seeing out here that apparently weren't in network. And it was just a mess because I had to get a referral for everything. Um, but now I'm back on Medicare, just straight Medicare. And I've been on that since 2016. Okay. All right. All right. And so, yeah, so they cover my prescriptions. They were, they will cover my mental health counseling. That's something I wanted people to know too was like, I doing an HMO plan. That wasn't covered. That wasn't assumed. Whereas Medicare doesn't question something like that. They'll cover it, especially if it's something coming in regularly, you know, being billed regularly for it. So um, I'm really happy to say as of May 1st, I'm back on just straight Medicare and I'm not on that HMO well care plan that was kind of a side thing. So, Okay. All right. So that tells me that you probably are on SSDI. Okay. Um, Because... People on SSDI become eligible for Medicare 24 months after you start getting that benefit. Okay. Um, so you were probably on SSDI for a couple of years prior, and then you started on Medicare. Okay. So you're getting Medicare and Medicaid. That's right. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so just have a couple of other questions. I mean, so I think what we want to do today is just kind of determine whether you're a good candidate or ticket to work. Yeah. Um, okay. So are you between the ages of 18 and 64? Yes. All right. All right. So are you, so this has to do with your earnings. So for us to get paid under ticket to work, 
you have to work at a certain level of earnings. And ticket to work is really about, you know, gaining self-sufficiency um, and eventually working working off of those benefits. Yeah. Is that something you're you're willing to do? Yeah. You'd like to do? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I know that if if I don't get sick and this job is sustainable for me. This job will be a long-term commitment on my part. I'm having every intention to stick with this. It's really incredible just to tell you a little bit about it. It's hospice and it's a care coordinator position. And before I got my tumor and was put in a wheelchair in 2014, I was actually three months into my first career as a hospice social worker and I absolutely loved it. I tell people all the time that there's no way I could have ever done a good job those three months while my body was being taken over by this malignant, horrible tumor that took my ability to walk. Like I had the worst pain um, and I really do give it all back to God and the just interest I had in hospice and helping other people. So, you know, one thing that they worried about in my interviews for this was, hey, are you going to be fulfilled by just fielding calls when before you were going into people's houses and seeing them face to face? And, and you know, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that's a good concern. But I, I, you know, I'm disabled now. I, it's a lot harder for me to transfer in and out of my van eight times a day and work long days, right? And, and, and give all that energy into these people. And then I worry I wouldn't have a lot of energy back for myself at home. Well, this care coordinator position is completely remote from home. I would be sent a computer, a second monitor, a headset, a phone, and I would do two months of training just sharing a screen with my supervisor, fielding calls. And, you know, I would get Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, which is great health insurance. I could have a health insurance saving plan or an HSA. So, um, but it is, it's scary. It's scary going from being on all these benefits or being on all these state and federal benefits as a woman with a disability, but then hoping I can do this and I have enough energy, yada, yada. So the shift sure. would be 7 a.m. to 3.30 Eastern. If I was back in Minnesota visiting my family, I could work from my sister's house. She has great internet. We have Verizon coverage there. And I would be working 6 to 2.30 back in Minnesota. So I find it really appealing that I can pick this computer up with me and go wherever I need to. I mean, I could even take this sucker on vacation if I knew I had good service, you know? So... It's um, not called a vacation. <laughs> right? I know. That's not a vacation. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I would be getting $22, hours an, uh, $22 an hour, and I'd be working 32 hours a week. Uh, you know, I might work every other weekend, and I might work two holidays a year, and then whatever two holidays I work this year. So say I work, you know, Memorial Day and Christmas, then I wouldn't work that next year. So Again, I know you're right, that's not a vacation, but I'm happy to say that I could drive home on my off day, spend Christmas with my sister's kids, right, and still work till 3.30 if I had to, but be home and enjoy right. the holiday with them. So yeah. those are all no, the things yeah, that, I'm, that, that really appealed to me because you guys know if I worked a job where I was going in every day out here, my ability to go home would be really limited, and that's just the reality. So... Um, and you know, the other thing too, like, unfortunately, my bowel program and my bladder program, 
I sometimes live around that schedule, you know, like if I have to pee between 12 and 1, I need to do that or I'm not going to be dry the rest of the day and then I could have skin breakdown problems and yada yada. So the fact that I can be home and leave my computer for five minutes to go pee in the comfort of my own home, you know, it's faster, it requires less energy of me and I can be a better worker. So like I said, I think this is really sustainable for me or if I do have health or skin breakdown or a health issue, I can nurse that from home and still work. I can still sit at my computer, you know, so. Yeah, well, it sounds like a great opportunity. Right. You know, it's really just getting me to a point where I can surrender this. I know that I can provide for myself. I know that God will provide for me if I try. Just getting to a place of surrender and, and not codependency on these benefits because, I I know you guys both know too. A lot of people get disabled and then just think like, "Oh, I cannot ever work again." Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes we start working with people, and then they get the benefits while we're trying to find them a job. And right. Kind of lose their motivation sometimes. Yeah. Um, at least for a while, you know. I'm not, I mean, some you don't get disability; they don't just hand it out. Um, right. Let me say that. Um, you know, you have to. You fight have to for it. Certain criteria to, yeah. to be on it. So um, don't minimize at all. You know anybody who receives that benefit. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, and especially if I had kids to feed or was living completely on my own. I mean, I'm even lucky that I am in a serious relationship, committed relationship that's healthy with someone. Because yeah, yeah I can't imagine awesome. being in a pandemic and going through all of those stressors. So. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm nervous as heck, but yeah. I'm excited. 32 hours is only four days a week, and it's like, I know I have enough energy to do that. I really do. I think I do. I, I'm already up that amount of time plus, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a change of pace, though. It is. Uh, it's it is. an adjustment. It um, is. I mean, I think that's, you know, the more I hear you talking and what you want to do and kind of where you're headed, I mean, it, it sounds like you would be totally a good candidate for Ticket to Work. One of the things it does, um, as long as you're making timely progress, it would you would not have any continuing disability reviews. And I don't know if you're in, are you in the middle of one of those at all or? No, uh, no, okay. I don't, I don't think so. Like I said, as far as I know, I'm considered permanently disabled so i don't think i'm being flagged for like my county gal that i was telling you about she asked me every year like is there any change with your need or your disability but besides that i'm not being reviewed for anything okay okay all right so i mean periodically they will do a review but we can that's one of the things we could learn from the benefit planning query also that we would ask for from social security and then I can, you know, I can, once we get that, I can um, kind of help you understand, you know, how your benefits would be affected by your work. Um, if you're on SSDI, we can see if you've used any of your trial work period months um, from that report. So Yeah, because um, I was on trial work period for a while, or, or getting that Social Security differential with your work, right? Like, I remember having to go on there every month and writing how much I made each paycheck and and all yep. of that. So you were reporting your wages? Yes, to Social Security. 
Yeah. So um, on SSDI, there's really kind of like three phases. Um, the first one is the trial work period, which is uh, this year, you, every time that you would earn $940 or more, um, it would be counted as a trial work month. And so, and you get nine of those. Um, they don't have to be in a row. Um, you know, so that would be something that we could learn from the BPQY is if you've used all of those, if you haven't used all of them, how far back do they go? Because they drop off after 60 months. Okay. So, you know, kind of need to figure out where you're at. Yeah. The second phase, the second phase is the extended period of eligibility. And that starts right after the trial work period, whether you're working or not. I mean, if you're, you know, if you finish trial work period number nine in May, in June, your extended period of eligibility begins. And that protects your, your status. Um, so you can't be, you can't be suspended from SSDI during that time. Um, as long as you're still disabled. Okay. So, um, your payments can be suspended, but, um, but you, you don't get, you don't get terminated from SSDI. And then there's, you know, after that 36 month, then there's just a period after extended period of eligibility. So it would be kind of important for us to find out, you know, where you're at in that, in that timeline. Right. Yeah. Well, I worked about a year for, Southeastern Minnesota Center for Independent Living. And honestly, I'm blanking on how much I was making because I was working part-time, so I really don't know what my paychecks were. Um, And then I was working at the Winona County Historical Society for like 10 months before I moved out to Michigan. So, and I wasn't... You probably used that trial work period. Probably, unless I didn't exceed that $940 at, at the historical society but i i wonder if i did so the next i mean kind of the next thing if you if you're interested in assigning your ticket i mean we could provide you you know kind of with some support talk about accommodations if needed um you know it can i mean your ticket can last a long time we need to have at least monthly contact with you um you would need to give us your pay stubs yeah um and then the benefit advisement, um, you know, sometimes that's uh, that's really important just to have a go-to person say, ah, I don't get this. I got this letter from Social Security and I don't understand what they're talking about. What do they mean my disability has ended? Oh, totally. Um, you know, so, um, so the benefit advisement piece can be really really huge as you kind of work through it. Oh, totally. Now, did you say what the third phase was already? You, you probably did, and I just didn't write it down. Yeah. So it's it's just the, it's called the period after the extended period of eligibility. And so during that time, basically, if you are working under substantial gainful activity, which is $1,310 this year, um, if you're working under that, then your SSDI continues. If you work over that, then your SSDI would be terminated. Okay, and so this is where the lift payment, the van payment, does this, and like the caregiving, does that apply to this? Like, is that yeah, where it's forgiven? Those are those are probably early, called Irwies, which are impairment-related work expenses. Those would well, although it's a van, you're not going to need to go to work. 
Because you're going to work remotely. Right, but that wouldn't matter to go to, like, doctor's appointments in the grocery store. Like, clearly people still have to live with a vehicle, right, that works. Right, yeah. Yeah, that that wouldn't matter in this case because, so an impairment-related book expense are things that you're paying for out of your pocket, but that you need for going to work. For example, if you're paying some medication costs out of your pocket. So that's, it's complicated here. I need to give you all this information. No, this is what I want. This is what I want you to give. So, so there's no way around the van thing, you don't think? Not from, not working from home because transportation is a non-issue. Sure. Depending on where you're at in that timeline, so that substantial gainful activity number, that 1310, is really a decision. So Social Security may not count all of your wages. There's some things that you're paying for out of your pocket um, called impairment-related work expenses that you need to go to work. So whether you need them in life or you just, you know, you also need them for going to work. So, for example, there might be some medications that you take that maybe you have to pay part of them. Or there might be some kind of therapy you go to that helps you to stay mobile. Right. You know, sometimes people have, like, specialized transportation costs. And then, you know, that they need that transportation to get to work. But it has to be a work-related expense. It can't be, you know, I need to go to the grocery store. Sure. Um, So this is, I mean, ticket to work is all about work and employment. And the benefit piece is, you know, the Social Security piece is about work as well. Sure. Um, so would the would my lift payment that I'm doing every month be forgiven and the lift it's on your van? It's actually on the house. Like I can go down and participate in laundry or watering my flowers by getting on this lift and going down. The garage is underneath my um house. So what why do you need that for work? How is that a work-related expense? Well, I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Right. Laundry. I mean, I need to be able to do laundry so that I can be a s- successful worker, right? Uh, yeah, but it's that's something that everybody has to do. It's not specific to your disability. So, I mean, I have to go to work and clean clothes, too. Um, right, but I can't get down there without the lift, and I'm paying. Doing laundry isn't part of your work. Oh. Isn't part of your job. Okay. See what I mean? Yeah, it's really weird, but I see what you mean. Yeah. So, so the, the, next, the next step for us really is to check, one, to check to see if your ticket is available. Um, you know, if you're interested in pursuing this, we would check to see if your ticket's available. And then I could also send you, it's just an intake form. For you to fill out, and it just helps us to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then, assuming that your ticket is available to assign, um, we write up what's called an individual work plan, and that's it's just it's a it's a plan. You know, I would draft it. We would both sign it, um, and then have your ticket assigned. Okay. So start working together. It's a pretty easy process. Yeah. And why can you just? share a little bit about why someone wouldn't choose to do this like I not even my decision aside like 
why would someone not do a Ticket to Work program when it's there for people to connect them with resources and, like you said, really help them navigate these waters around disability and going back to work? Because it is really confusing. Like, you know, I don't even know all the answers. Like, I I definitely don't understand it all either. So Sometimes people aren't necessarily a good candidate if they want to stay on Social Security, you know, if they're really, you know, going to minimize the amount of work that they do so they stay under that SGA or, right. you know, they don't want to work towards self-sufficiency. And that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's also a choice, but they're probably not a good ticket to work candidate. Right. For us. Um, also, somebody who's doing self-employment is not a good good candidate for us because the um, the payments to us are based on somebody's wages and self-employment can take can sometimes take years right uh, you know right. to show a profit or to show enough of a profit or never show a profit right and um, if yeah yeah that makes sense and if they are succeeding at, at self-employment then they probably are exceeding that thirteen hundred dollars yeah Okay, interesting. Okay, so then can you bring any enlightenment to my paranoia about getting cancer again or getting sick? Like, let's say I just totally kick butt at this job for the next six, seven years, and my cancer comes back. Like, how is this all affected? So, assuming that you're on SSDI, if you were to be terminated from SSDI, you have a five-year window where you can um, apply for what's called expedited reinstatement. Within five years, you said? Yes, within five years. So if you were terminated this month, um, you would have a five-year window where you could apply for what's called expedited reinstatement. And during that time, you know, if you if you lost your benefit because you were working over SGA. I mean, there's some rules around it, as you might expect. So, yeah, you had to have lost your benefit because of working at SGA. You have to, you're you're applying to get back on because of the same or related disability. Is that hard to do? Is that hard for people to do the, to get back on? I mean. No, I mean, I've had people who have been successful. Um, so security gives you um, up to six months of provisional payments while they decide whether you're eligible or not. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty attractive because people can start getting payments right away while they're determining whether whether the person meets the meets eligibility. Um, and they they use a different standard than um, an initial application. So it's a little easier standing. It's it's the medical improvement standard versus the initial disability standard. So sure, it's a little bit easier. Um, I've had had a number of people who get back on. Um, you know, they went off because they they worked at SGA. They worked above SGA. Um, you know, and I mean, honestly, the the wages that you're talking about you're going to make a lot more money um, working than, you know, trying to stay on a bed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, but sometimes people find they can or, you know, their, their disability, like you say, I mean, cancer came back. Um, 
you know, or people's disability, you know, you know, they end up hospitalized or, right. you know, something, something happens that they, they qualify to get back on. So right. And five year window after that time, you do have to do a whole new application. Sure. Which I could do with the help of my doctor and yada, yada. So, yeah. and you know, like I said too, it's, it is, it's hard. Like, just like caregiving for a child, caregiving for a disability, even just for myself, it's exhausting. I loathe it. I tell people all the time, like, I hate handling my healthcare and my needs around my disability because it reminds me of, like, how much I've changed, how much my independence has changed. But, like, this job, again, is, like, such a um, opportunity that I just feel like I can't pass up, you know, like I know I will exceed at it. And so it's like, why wouldn't I? Because you're right. I would be making more than I am now, way more than I am now. And this isn't sustainable for like a long-term solution, just being on benefits. It's just not. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm, and, and like I said before, you know, ticket to work is, it's voluntary. If you, you know, decide it's not for you, you can, you have control of your ticket. You can unassign it. If you're unhappy with our services, you can assign it to a different employment network. Um, it's, you know, that's up to you. Yeah. So when you talk about different employment networks, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually, I'm on the spinal cord peer support group on Facebook and um, it's really cool because there's just this giant community of people that, you know, have been living life and everybody's at different stages of their disability and their spinal cord injury and people ask questions and people will, will answer. So someone did say, what about a ticket to work program? Deduct expenses from your paycheck that directly support your disability. Do you have monthly payments for an accessible vehicle, payments for clothing needed for work, care workers to get you ready? When those expenses are deducted from your salary, some people find that they are under the SGA. So we talked about that a little bit. And yep. even if you are over, after nine months, they will keep paying for quite a while to offset expenses. And you make bonuses for meeting milestones. Since you found a job on your own, go with a trial work agency who refunds you the majority of your money. Someone said, I worked myself off of disability and was supported very well. She said, my trial work period agency was called Advantage, I think she said. So, yeah, talk a little bit about why Ticket to Work, why not a different benefit plan or disability plan, excuse me. What are the differences and what's out there? And is it easier to just go through YesWorks and Ticket to Work or? Um, yeah, I mean, I would encourage you to shop around, you know, have a conversation just like you and I had today. Um, and see which one you feel has, you know, provides a good fit. I know that, you know, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know a lot about other ticket to work programs. That's okay. Programs that, that, that refund the beneficiary. And I don't get, I just, I guess I don't get how that works. And we've had people call and ask about reimbursement for like training. And that's, that's not something we're able to do. Reimbursement for what? I guess they wanted to go to training. I had somebody who called and wanted to go. They wanted to get their real estate license. And so they wondered if we would reimburse them for that. And that's, that's not something that we, we do. Right. 
you know, another option is vocational rehabilitation. I don't know if you have worked with them in the past. You know, I mean, they, you know, if there's something that you needed, you know, to go to work, like if you needed computer equipment, something like that, you know, you could claim it as an impairment-related work expense or, you know, somebody like vocational rehabilitation might be able to assist you with something like that. Right. So that's, you know, that's another avenue to go. Their their services are time-limited, so you're not going to have the, you know, the extensive time period with them that you would have with um, somebody like us. Right. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm surprised to hear about the, I mean, I get it because you explained like, yeah, but you don't need to do laundry while you're working, right? But like, I definitely wasn't expecting the lift and the van payments not being something that would be forgiven, but I understand it. It's just, you know, I have to think, okay, well, then I would be getting, you know, a thousand dollars less a month I mean I'd be paying for those things just out of my paycheck right so um it's fine you wouldn't be able able to claim it as an impairment related work expense right so so like let's say let's say you were earning fifteen hundred dollars you know a month well you can earn you can earn more than that I mean if you take this job you're going to be earning three thousand dollars a month right you know so that would that would be a pretty big impairment related work expense to go from thirteen fifty or thirteen ten to three thousand dollars. Right. I mean you'd have to have a you know seventeen hundred dollar impairment related work expense. Yeah. Which which, are, which I don't have even if well, but so would my caregiving that's what I mean. Would the caregiving be included in that or no because Are you paying for that out of your pocket? No, I'm not. Okay. So then it does not count. An impairment-related work expense has to be things that you need for work and that you are paying for out of your pocket and that nobody reimburses you for. Right. Okay. Yeah, so even if, like you're saying, if I made $3,000 a month, but a 1000 of that was going toward my lift in my van, I'm still exceeding SGA. I'm still making $2,000 plus. Correct. Yep. All right. Well, yep. that makes sense. I mean... It, like I said, it makes sense. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I thought maybe I'd have another grand in my pocket, but. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to check the availability of your ticket? I'm, I'm happy to do that. I just, I need, I would need your social security number and your last name. <laughs> if If I'm looking at my, like, health insurance plans through work, through Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield, I I know I don't want a BCN HMO, and like I said, I was thinking of doing the HSA, especially, like, if my company matches me, but, like, is there anything with my health insurance that I should be looking at, Um, just because I am someone who will be going to the doctor, you know what I mean? Like, I'm even nervous about, like, my cancer scans, like, if I continue getting those every year, obviously, I would meet my deductible and get covered but I just you know that's another scary transition that I'm considering making well so it's it's not unusual for people to have more than one one health insurance so I'd have to look into Medicaid in Michigan a little bit but typically 
so if you're offered, so Medicaid is a, is a payer of last resort, right? They pay last. Your Medicare covers things first. Your Medicaid covers covers what's what's left. Sure. So if you throw in an employer sponsored employer insurance in there, um, so that's another piece of it. But Medicaid's going to require that you you apply for that or take it. They may even pay for it. You know, kind of it depends if they determine, like in Minnesota, if they determine that it's cost effective. Sometimes they'll pay the premiums if there if there are any. I don't know if you would have any or not. So so Medicaid can still be a player in here. And then a lot of states have what's called a Medicaid buy-in program. And Minnesota's is, is very generous. I don't know what Michigan's looks like, but basically you can stay on medical assistance if you are if you have a disability and you have some caregiver needs. Um, you know there could very well be a reason that you want to keep medical assistance right um, because it's paying for it's paying for that caregiver right so just to be clear then the caregiver money i know i'm not paying it out of pocket so it won't be forgiven in substantial gainful activity which i understand how will that be impacted though once i go to work i mean like you said check with an agency that does caregiving that could hire Tyler, but how would that, would that be questionable? Like, why does she still need that? Or no, they wouldn't. I would think that you, I, I don't think it would be questionable that you need it. Because um, I've needed it, yeah. Right, yeah. And so, like I said, I, Michigan is, I, I don't know a lot about, you know, some of their policies, you know, the, yeah. Yeah, um, that are, they're a little bit different. So, but like I said, sometimes you can buy into Medicaid if you're working. Um, that's what the Medicaid buy-in program is. So like in Minnesota, if you are, if you have a disability, you're earning at least $65 a month, you know, and you're paying taxes on that money. It's not like, you know, a dog walking um, job for the neighbor or something like that, but that you're actually paying taxes on it. You can buy into Medicaid and there's no upper limit to your income. Um, your premiums, so you pay a premium, but it's, they're low. They start at like $35 a month. And so you could, you could keep your Medicaid, um, under that kind of scenario. Huh. Yeah. See, this is the stuff that I'm so ha- happy to have your help on because I, know nothing about that. So if if you and I proceed with this, do you think it would be a good idea to talk to somebody here in Michigan that knows some of these premiums and buy-ins because we don't know yeah. and and where do where would you direct me? Yeah, so I'd have to do a little research okay. on that. Okay. Okay, that's um, fine. I mean, I'm happy to to help you kind of walk through that. So Okay. Well, thank you. This has been really good. I'm excited and nervous as hell but i'm more excited like i this is is kind of a no-lose situation because you know if you don't like it you could just say i'm i don't like this i'm gonna i'm gonna leave sign my ticket right well and i'm not even i'm not even nervous about the ticket to work program like i think it's great to have all these resources i'm more nervous about you know doing a good job at work yeah and like having the energy because you're right it's going to be a big change like I but I'm also going to be at home so I'm really hopeful about it yeah yeah 
Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been really great. Okay. Right. Okay. Thanks, Nancy. Bye. Yeah, it was nice meeting you, Tess. You too. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening. Hey there. If you are a sponsor or would like to run a commercial and think that my message and my podcast would be beneficial for your business, please consider contacting me. I would be honored to work with you. We have the ability to put commercials into these episodes. Thank you for your consideration. I'm a born Minnesotan, now Michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. I was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor. Superhuman doctors at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half then putting me back together again with my leg bone. We decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com forward slash Push Diaries Podcast. Bye.